Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tuesday Tips brought to you by the Hunt Let's Eat podcast. I'm your host Luke, here with two yahoos uh, this evening. We've got the co-host Perry and his brother, my other cousin Evan. What's going on fellas? Not much man, good to have all three of us back in the saddle again here. Yeah, it's good to be back. I know it's been a while for me due to global events and then having my kid for two weeks. It's nice to be recording another one here, boys. Yeah, it's the first time the three of us have been on in a long time. So we just spent probably the last 30 minutes shooting the shit and catching up. So it's been uh, it's been great to, to catch up a little bit. It's pretty, pretty cool because this week uh, Perry's flying in. He'll be here on Thursday. Um, him and his wife are coming in. Perry and I are going to go after antelope, as most of you have heard. And then, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. Be my first time doing a western hunt so we'll see how it goes yeah perry your tip should be if you're going on an antelope hunt and you draw a tag and it's a muzzleloader hunt you should have a muzzleloader ready and if your uncle spends the time and money to clean and set up a muzzleloader for you and has it all picked up and all you have to do is go by his house you should probably do that <laughs> that's, that's solid a tip. solid tip yeah that's pretty oh, good i should have thought of that yeah well, you should have given this to perry Four days ago. Why couldn't we have recorded this last week? Well, he's Damn the one it. that skipped a grade, so I figured that he would be smart enough to know that. You know, but, eh. For those that don't know, Perry did the opposite. He had a muzzleloader lined up to fly out here and then didn't pick it up, even though he drove two and a half hours to where it was. He was up there two weekends in a row, too, after it's been set up. Hmm. That's that many, Perry. Dose. That's one, two. How many you got holding up there? Dose. That's surprising. Mexican too. All right, let's get this tips episode rolling. So that was a great tip, Evan. Uh, let's go ahead and roll. Perry, what do you got for us this week? <laughs> yeah, my tip for this week is uh, it has to do with scouting. So the tip is scout even when you're not scouting. And what I mean by that is um, most of us that are hunters, we have other outdoor pursuits that we're doing during the off season. Um, maybe even our for our job. I know you boys spend a lot of time in the field. I obviously do for my work. One of the things that I've realized along the way that I've really started trying to do a whole lot more this year, this off season is when I'm out um, typically for work for me, but even, you know, recreation, say you're out with the family hiking or you're on a camping trip or, you know, you're on a fishing trip or whatever it is. Um, if you're on, even if you're on a property that you have no intention or ability to hunt still, be in tune to the settings of what's going on around you. Be observant to um, sign, to tracks, to you know, to, to all the different things that we look for when we are actually scouting a property. Um, it really helps you start to form that complete picture in your brain of how the the wildlife are actually utilizing a landscape. If you're if you're walking through an area and you see a deer trail and you take notice of the topographic features um, that you're you know, traveling through and how the deer are utilizing that property, or if you happen to see an area on a topo map or on an aerial image and you think, man, that, that really looks like something that um, would be good, you know, suitable bedding, and then you actually get out there and you find evidence of deer beds or you find um, evidence of browse where they're eating native vegetation um, all of these different things that we look at when we're scouting a property, you can also do when you're still out there 
on properties that you that you're not actively hunting and for me i think what it really does is it makes you that more efficient when you get back onto the piece of property that you are actually going to be able to hunt because like i said then you have that kind of complete picture in your head of how the deer the turkeys whatever it is you're after are utilizing that landscape and it's just going to make you that much more efficient when you get to a property that you're actually scouting for hunting purposes i think that's really solid man yeah it's a great tip i'm 80 percent sure you've given that tip before or that's a conversation we've had on a previous podcast where i've got some crazy deja vu but no it's a solid tip um it is one of those things the more you hunt the more you do i think look at the landscape differently like i'm always even when i'm out doing training down in carson um i'm looking i'm like oh this is it's good antelope country, or this is good mule deer country. I mean, I was just doing platoon line fire, driving up and down this lane, and probably saw 40 or 50 antelope, and the whole time I'm, like, stopping and looking and checking them out. So seeing how they move, seeing how they, you know, try to pattern them, it helps you wherever you're going to be hunting on whatever landscape. So, yeah, Absolutely. great tip. What you got for us today, Luke? Yeah, so um, I like to use a lot of tips usually when I fuck things up, and I'm sure as Evan's going to enjoy talking about after I finish this one. I fucked this one up because I was – one, it's been a long time since I bought a new rifle. Two, I've kind of got dad brain because I'm sleep deprived. And three, I didn't have a lot of time, so I was trying to rush. And uh, <clears throat> I bought a new rifle. I got the Bagara uh, B14 Wilderness Ridge. Uh, it's not a very cheap rifle, and have a pretty good scope set up for it. And uh, it's a it's a six five Creedmoor, and so it's it's a round I, I decided to, to go with because I wanted to start increasing my range, my effective range as I. Uh, you know, hunt out west from what I was at the, in the east with a thirty out six or two seventy, and so that's why I decided and settled on the Creedmoor. Very controversial round, I know, but as you go in, there's a whole process to breaking in a new rifle. Um, and so, one like I did the setup right. So, like one, be very deliberate with your uh, scope ring selection. I like a, I use the DNZ um, scopes. It's a single milled. Uh, receiver or the whole the whole setups like one piece so there's a, there's only like two anchor points on one solid piece it's a really solid setup but you want to make sure you level your scope use one of the small little carpenters levels put it on top of the center turret uh, and then level it from there put your scope rings on tighten them up to the correct torque based on whatever the uh, specifications are all right that's the easy part then you go to the range. Make sure you read the fucking manual. I couldn't find the manual, and I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go to the range. And I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but I didn't really run in my break-in sequence uh, the right way. I was kind of – I was I shot too many sh- shots without running through the swabs, and then I also really wasn't – I was kind of letting the barrel cool, but not like I should. And so this is a very deliberate process on a new barrel. Luckily, uh, I didn't shoot that many rounds, and it was kind of recoverable because I texted Evan, and he was like, you're a dipshit. What are you doing? Um, but when you read the manual, <clears throat> every rifle is going to have a kind of some different steps, but there, it's the same basic steps. Typically you're going to shoot, um, a cluster of rounds. Maybe it's five, maybe it's 10, maybe it's three, whatever, based on what, and then you're going to clean the barrel. Then you're going to shoot. And then somewhere it might be, uh, a single round swab, single round swab, single round swab or, or whatever. And then it might be 10 round swab, 10 round swab, 10 round swab. Some sort of sequence like that is what you're doing to break breaking the barrel. And so when you're breaking the barrel, like from the the milling of the barrel, there's minor imperfections within the rifling. And so what you're doing is, is by shooting those bullets, you're cleaning that up. And then that's when you're running the swabs through, you're scraping and cleaning it even more. And so that's what the break-in period is. Also, you want to make sure 
especially initially when you're going through the break-in period, when you're firing the round, you're letting that barrel cool back off completely before you're firing another round. Because in general, a hot barrel will uh, affect the accuracy, but especially on a brand new barrel, you're going to see a lot of variability. And so I was shooting, it was a very windy day. I was shooting at distance. I was like, I grouped pretty well in close. And as I moved out, I was having trouble grouping. I texted Evan. He was like, you're a dipshit. Did you do these things? And I was like, nope, some dumb. So just make sure you guys are going through the proper sequence. Read the manual every time you buy a new gun and focus on what it says. Yeah, I think that's solid, man. And and to expand on a little bit of the, the, the reasons why behind that, if in case anyone's curious. So the reason some manufacturers are going to be different, they're they're all going to be, you know, if you YouTube how to break in a rifle, you could probably not really necessarily go wrong. The differences are from the manufacturers and for the specific rifle, it's based off the twist of your rifling and then the actual material of the barrel, if it's stainless, if it's chrome lined, and then how the, um, how the barrel is attached from my understanding. So all those play a factor in uh, how you want to break in and then also uh the caliber is going to have an effect so for example i bought a lightweight mountain rifle a few years ago but it's in a 300 win mag so it's got a very thin barrel because it's a lightweight rifle but it's a magnum caliber so the manufacturer recommendation is that you take a deliberate amount of time it actually specifies in there for break-in how long to take between each round and then the barrel needs to be completely cool to the touch so just to emphasize kind of luke's point the, you can't go wrong if you read the manufacturer's recommendation on how to break in a brand new rifle. If you don't have a manual, you can probably Google it. You can call the manufacturer and they will send you a uh, manual or YouTube video. So I think that's a good tip, Luke. Yeah, agreed. That's a lot of good information there. I've, uh, I've actually never broken in a new rifle and I was curious, which you kind of answered Evan about the caliber question, how that varies among calibers. Um, makes a lot of sense especially when you factor in the the difference in the in the barrel composition as well so that's that's useful information for sure yeah how a gunsmith explained it to me when i was asking and y'all know who i'm talking about grayson lucas he's an old he's a old timer in our hometown he's very knowledgeable um, like luke says when a barrel comes off the milling uh off the mill after it's been milled it's it's kind of like a piece of rough cut lumber if you butt two pieces of rough cut lumber together there's imperfections or splinters and whatnot. They're not going to fit as smooth. If you run them through the planer or through a sander, that's kind of what you're doing by shooting it, the bullet going through there, and then swabbing it. It's kind of the same. You're going to get a, uh, more of a snug fit, and that's essentially what you're doing is all those little spurs um, that are in there, all the little imperfections from the milling are getting cleaned out, um, and then you're going to have a more accurate shot group. Typically, uh, it's about 20 rounds to break in a barrel, typically. Obviously, they're going to vary depending on the manufacturer, but that's a pretty solid number. Good thing those are you know, only fucking 54 rounds a box, so it's a cheap fucking zero. Yeah. Picking uh, the windiest day on record this fucking year was not the right day to fucking zero my rifle, but hey. No. Take the weekends when you got them. But what do you got for us uh, this week, Evan? Yeah, so I'm going to kind of expand on uh, Perry's tip a little bit. I'm going to kind of piggyback off of that. And this is something that I did this year, and then I I, I think it's common sense, but I don't know. Um, so me and Perry, when we were up there, went and found uh, – I picked a location that I wanted to sit, that I've been curious about this location, and uh, 
being a new saddle archery hunter this year is going to give me the opportunity to hunt this location. Um, and me and Perry went ahead and like looked in the general area and found a few trees that could be potential. And then thinking about that, I highly recommend doing that. Now, obviously, you're going to pick the day of based off the wind. But if you know certain areas while you're doing your scouting, you're going to be hunting, have three to four trees. Go ahead and set aside in your mind, mark them on Onyx, whatever uh, app you use, and then go ahead and prep those trees. What I mean by that is if there's any limbs, if there's any brush around the bottom, instead of waiting to the morning of that you're going to be uh, climbing the tree um, and it will eliminate the headache of having to carry a saw or a machete and it'll also eliminate noise and time sitting there you know in the dark if you're hunting in the morning or time in the evening so if you can just prep that tree that you're going to be hunting in um, something I kind of did a little bit of this season and I think it's going to pay off granted I might not sit in those trees but if I decide to sit in those trees they're going to be ready to go and I'm not going to have to do anything except climb them when I get there that's a that's a solid tip, man. I actually did something pretty similar uh, when I was hunting with a climber down in Georgia. Is I would have the pine trees that I would hunt and sit in, you know, in an area based on the wind or whatever. And I would take the uh, little reflective thumbtacks that you can buy. You can buy them at Academy, probably Shields, like any uh, sporting goods store that sells hunting gear. Um, I think HME is like a popular brand, but it's basically, it looks just like that. It's a thumbtack, but it's kind of got a reflector and <clears throat> you can shine your red light lens. So you're not having to white light it and that red lens will hit it. And so like, it's hard. I mean, even if you're familiar with the area, I mean, if you get into it, you're, all the trees look the same when it's still dark out. So like being able to like pick that tree out and then you have that tack oriented a certain way. So then, you know, okay, exactly like which direction and everything you're going to set up on. It's just a good little reference point. Uh, and you can also use those tacks to, if you're going into like public where you're not that familiar, I'll use it to guide my way in. And so you just have the tacks to like walk you to the tree that you want. And maybe you put three tacks in a triangle or something on the tree you're actually going to sit in. It's funny you say that because I just saw those for the first time. I told you I went to a field and stream this past weekend um, and I saw those and I was curious. But I should have grabbed a pack, but uh, I just did the classic hatchet flashing, like trail flashing, just knock the bark off till you see the shiny white part, but that the, those little thumbtacks are a really good idea whoever came up with those kudos to you i've got a bunch of those that you can certainly borrow i'll be glad to give you some i did that same thing luke on that property down here that i hunted by my place for the first time what i did a lot of times last year is um you know you climb out of a tree after a morning hunt or whatever and you know you're walking around do a little bit of looking on your way, way out and it's like man that might that might look like a good spot just throw a tack in there and that way, you know, if you're coming back that same way, you've got a potential different spot. And, you know, it's one of those things that uh, Eberhardt, John Eberhardt's talked about a lot in hell. He's kind of one of, if not kind of the godfather of saddle hunting. And he spends a lot of time in the offseason prepping trees. And he goes, you know, so far as to cut like specific shooting lanes for specific places where he expects the deer to be in specific types of conditions. It doesn't mean that like necessarily you open it all up so that you can shoot anywhere, but it's just very strategic and very surgical. And, you know, not everyone does that. And a lot of time, time constraints and all those other things come into play. But it is one of those things that if you can devote, especially those, like you said, Evan, those handful of places where you know you're highly interested in and spending a good amount of time, then it could pay dividends. Yeah, and that's that's something I did in that uh, second location I went to, Perry, is, you know, I – because, you know, Luke 
when I was texting y'all, he was like, well, you, you know, don't pick your tree into the wind. And, uh, was something I thought about and it's, it's kind of on the side of a ridge and the, how the wind was blowing that day. I picked a tree and then I basically picked three different trees in case the wind changed in the directions I thought it would. I didn't think it was going to come, um, in certain ways. I've there, I've never seen the, the wind blow, um, that way, but who knows thermals and all that. I, so I picked basically three trees in a triangle surrounding the area that, that I wanted that I think will give me a, an option no matter how the wind's blowing. Yeah, and the only reason I really threw that out there is just because when we grew up rifle hunting, like we, the wind was kind of in the back of our minds, um, which you're going to realize really quickly because I know it's a hard lesson that I've learned and continue to learn every fucking season. And Perry probably learned last year is when you're bow hunting, the wind matters exponentially more. I mean, you have to hunt the wind. Like, there's no, I don't even fucking really worry about scent control anymore. Like, I don't even spray because it doesn't matter. Like, I hunt the wind or I'm going to get busted um, when I'm bow hunting. Rifle hunting, scent control, I think, works because by the time it's, like, getting out there, it's a little bit more faded, harder to, you know, pinpoint where it's at. But if you're within 10, 20 yards, like, they pick up that they're immediately gone. You can see them. And it's really cool, and that's what I like about bow hunting is you get to notice that stuff so much more, like, I've seen them like hit when they hit your scent line and they just stop on a dime. It's like there's a fucking wall there, and they hit that scent line. They stop. They like look up and they're gone. Like it's, I mean, it sucks because you know you got winded, but it's pretty cool to watch like them hit that. It's like they're on a rope and they just stop. Well, there are guys that actually use that exact thing when as they're accessing their their bow stands or their their spots where they're going to set up for their archery hunts because you know you 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 pick your access delivery deliberately to that spot. And then you make a little circle where you want the deer to stop, to give you the best shot opportunity. And you know, they're going to hit that ground set and they're going to do exactly what you said. And then you've got a second or two, you know, if you're prepared, hopefully to draw your bow and make a good shot. So that's a, that's a, I heard someone talking about that. I was like, man, that's fucking brilliant. I'm definitely going to have to use that this year. Well, I just watched a video of the hunting public when I was flying. I downloaded them on my phone, and, dude, this mature buck came in. It's one of the first episodes of the season. I don't remember which one. And he hits that, and but there was no pause. I'm talking, like, wall and immediate, like, turn and trotted away. It was insane. Like it was, And the crazy thing is that he tested the wind, and, like, I don't know how the, he scented it. I don't know how he scented them at all, like, because the wind was not blowing there unless it was hitting a thermal and curving back in there somehow. And he even checked it, like, right after the deer um ran and it was blowing the same direction but it's it is impressive how good of a good of a nose those animals have it's very impressive yeah they're they're incredible animals with how well adapted they are to use that sense i mean that's that's one of their if not their their primary sense you know we we use our eyes but they their nose that's what drives them so as a as a new bow hunter <laughs> good to be thinking about those things bow show yeah definitely but uh We'll go ahead and wrap this one up. We got a little rambly there than we typically do for uh, Tuesday tips, but it's to be expected. Three of us haven't been on a podcast in a while. It's good to catch up and shoot the shit a little bit, especially with the season uh, this close. I know we're all really excited and thinking about it. But, yeah, the next podcast should be – it'll at least be the preview of uh, Perry's and I hunt with uh, with old uh, Peter Sunderland. He's going to come out with us probably on Saturday. So hopefully we have a couple podcasts, a couple – uh previews maybe some during lessons learned what we're doing right what we're doing wrong and then hopefully one culminating with uh, a bunch of antelope on the ground but as always we appreciate the hell out of you guys thank you so much